Welcome to episode 167 of the GSD Entrepreneur Podcast with your hosts, Jules and Stace. Running a successful business never comes without its challenges, but it also includes a lot of highs. In this GSD Entrepreneur Podcast, we explore both. We dive into what it looks like when entrepreneurs are committed to getting done. These are people who are pursuing their dreams, so we dig deep to understand how they are doing it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Melissa and Mia are a beautiful and an inspirational couple. They have and are building their real estate business, the Holly Rooks team, on relationships and trust. In this episode, we talk about what it was like to pick up and move from Charleston to Nashville and basically start over knowing only a few people in the area. We discuss how COVID has affected all of life, and we talk through their unique perspective on just how important Black lives really are. These two are a powerful force to be reckoned with as they raise their beautiful daughters, educate people on buying and selling homes, and build a real estate business that is making a big impact in the Nashville area. What an absolute treat to get an hour with them. We hope you enjoy our conversation. GSD Entrepreneur listeners, thanks for hitting play on us once again. Well, hopefully it's once again. Hopefully you've heard some other episodes because I'm just telling you, we get some incredible guests on this show who tell their story of how they're entrepreneurs. And that includes a lot of celebrations and frankly, a lot of hardships of kind of walking that road. So I'm Jules, your host, and I'm here with Stace, my co-host. And we've got some really, really fun guests, actually two of them on the show with us today. And I'm going to let, because this is really Stacy's connection. And so Stace, I'm going to let you intro these ladies. Yeah. So it often, not oftentimes, but throughout this podcast, every now and then we like to get on some powerhouse women. And um, usually it's so funny. Wait, isn't every episode that? Well, no, we got two today. Oh, right. Plural. Yeah. It's like double, yeah. it's like double stuff. Double I mean, trouble. Yeah. Double like, trouble. Uh, it is. Winter um, green gum. Double. <laughs> double mint. Double mint. There you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, we always, yeah, we always get powerhouse, but now today you get two for one listen. Yes, it is like a two for, it's a BOGO, buy one, get one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, we can keep going with this. Oh, we think we're so funny. (laughs) Um, So I met Mia Rooks and Melissa Hawley years ago. I don't even know how long ago. And we were just fast and furious friends, but it was a sad, sad day when they actually left Charleston, South Carolina to head over to Nashville. Uh, Obviously it was understandable. They wanted to be closer to some family, but not having them and their three precious little ones in, you know, in the, the Charleston family was just a super sad day, but I have kept up with them from afar since they moved. Uh, how, how did you first meet them? I think we met over drinks at Dig. No, it wasn't. It was chart. Was it the chart? Oh yeah, chart. So we, we went on back. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty certain that's where we were first, like kind of in that realm. That's true. That was definitely pre-Jules. That was pre-Jules. And so we got back a long time ago. Um, and it's, it's been fun. And 
watching their three little ones grow up. You know, Facebook, there's a lot of bad things about Facebook, but there's a lot of good things about Facebook. And one is being able to stay connected to people just even passively through Facebook and Instagram. And this is a couple that I've watched and just watched them thrive in Nashville. So yeah, welcome to the show. We're super excited to have you and And Jules is going to give you the rundown on what you're going to do for us. Yeah. So me and Melissa, welcome to the show, you guys. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for giving us your time. We know you're um, super busy selling homes and breaking records over there in Nashville. So (laughs) thanks for giving us a little bit of your time. So like we do on every episode, here's what we would love to do to start out. If you would just... Uh, and one of you can go first, whichever one you guys would rather have go first, but just take us back. Where did you grow up? What was your entrepreneurial path to get to where you are now? We haven't had, maybe we've had one or two real estate agents, but not a lot. And so I know that sometimes becoming a real estate agent is a later in life change, kind of a career change. And I think that's what happened with you guys, but we'd love to hear the story. So if one of you would take us back and start us, that'd be awesome. All right. Well, I'll go first. And um, Mia Rooks, originally from Huntsville, Alabama. And um, you're an Auburn fan? Oh, no. Actually, you know what? I grew up an Auburn fan and ended up going to Alabama. Mm, Oh, so Stacey's just posting. She is a horrible guy. So you grew up in Auburn and Alabama, and then you went to uh, University of Alabama. Now, originally from Huntsville, Alabama, okay. and moved to Tuscaloosa to go to University of Alabama. And um, while I was at Alabama, graduated with a bachelor's in business management, computer science, stayed there and got a master's in uh, kinesiology, sports management. Um, the plan was to go and work in the sports field, uh, which... I took a uh, management internship at Walt Disney World in Orlando as soon as I graduated um, with my master's. And um, and after the management internship, I was promoted to being a uh, recreation manager where I worked at Blizzard Beach Water Park, uh, Typhoon Lagoon Water Park. And also I ended at uh, Port Orleans Resort, which is one of the largest resorts on property, about um, 3,800 rooms. Um, on one side, another 1,800 rooms. So uh, pretty, pretty big responsibility. And I was working a lot. <laughs> and so I did that. And then when things started going south, uh, or before things started going south in the real estate market, I would say things were actually good. And I decided to leave Disney and do real estate full time in 2007, uh, which is right around the time I met Melissa. Um, so she was actually jealous of my career as a teacher and all the summers off and evenings <laughs> off. Because <laughs> yeah, I was working a lot. So, um, so yeah, so I decided to oh, go ahead. Mia, did you meet Melissa while she was drinking Mai Tais by the pool at the resort? Yeah, <laughs> no, my actually, not, actually not. It, it's a very interesting story. Um, we actually met on June 12th. 2007 at Pulse nightclub, which is the anniversary of the wow. shooting at oh, nightclub. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's our interesting. Um, we actually, you know, just kind of bumped into each other and some friends and had some conversation and, and then, you know, how, what happens call her like two weeks later or whatever. <laughs> and you've been bumping into so, each other ever since. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I got into real estate, um, in 2007. Um, and then of course we know in 2008, 2009, the market crashed. So I got in at a great time and <laughs> I had already left Disney and Melissa was teaching. So, um, you kind of go into overdrive mode. So I was, I started working at UPS as a supervisor and kind of helping load trucks from 4am to 9 a.m. Then I did real estate. And then after I got off from real estate, I went and worked at Olive Garden and I'd had three jobs and we just knew that was not sustainable. So um, we kind of packed up and decided, well, we went on a road trip. That's what it was. We went on a road trip. Melissa had a conference in Wilmington, North Carolina. And so we decided to just drive and work our way back down. And we stopped in Charleston, South Carolina for couple days and we just fell in love with Charleston and we literally went back and made a couple decisions had some conversations we packed up from Orlando in 2000, uh, 1999 no 2009 2009 so we met in 2007 2009 we relocated from Orlando to Charleston South Carolina Melissa was a middle school teacher and I was teaching high school in 2013 we joined Keller Williams um in Charleston, in Mount Pleasant, and we were still teaching, and that was probably a couple months before we had our first daughter. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we started off, the career started off part-time, you know, we were doing the te- teaching thing full-time, and just getting our feet wet, you know, part-time there in real estate, um, before we made the move to Nashville and, and jumped in, you know, as crazy as we were, we jumped in and, and started it full-time here. So the the funny story about it, and a lot of people thought we were crazy, and this is kind of that whole entrepreneurial spirit was, so we were living um, in Charleston, South Carolina. We had a one-year-old, and we decided, hey, let's let's grow the family, and we were at the doctor's appointment, and we found out we were having twins, <laughs> and immediately, yeah, I know, like, that's the moment you realize, like, God has a sense of humor, because I'm like, I'm holding this one-year-old, and we're, we're like, having two babies, and I'm like, what is, you know, it's a little overwhelming, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, we, we wanted that, you know, you're talking about buy one, get one, and yeah, yeah there you go, there you go, that's right, <laughs> well, and Melissa, you carried all those babies. I did. You I did a wonderful job. <laughs> and, you know, we have a beautiful, happy family now. Yeah, I said we I, survived. I, <laughs> but it was. And so, you know, what it came down to was, you know, we were both teaching, doing real estate part time. And we realized that it's not going to be sustainable for both of us to teach with these with three babies in daycare. And so that's what prompted the move to Nashville, because my mom and dad are retired and they're closer to Nashville than Charleston. So um, they're only about an hour away from us now, hour and a half. And um, it's just, you know, it was just the move was just kind of jumping off a cliff because we left Charleston when the twins were about 10 or 11 days old, right at about not even fully two weeks old. And we were leaving our salary jobs packed up. No help. No help. I mean, everybody were like, y'all are crazy. Y'all are crazy. But we knew if we, if, if we were going to have the life that we wanted to have, we knew we needed to make that jump. So, and here we are, and we moved to Nashville. We knew maybe like four or five people, um, and we've been able to just kind of make those connections and build relationships so that we can have the, you know, the business that we have now. Yeah. And I'll let Melissa tell you a little bit about her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we've made it all the way to Nashville. So taking, taking my story back, I grew up in Detroit. 
born and raised, lived there. Uh, my dad was a Detroit police officer, so lived in the city until I went to college and went to Kalamazoo College, uh, liberal arts college uh, over on the other side of the state. Uh, once I graduated, I decided it was time to get away from Michigan and the cold. And yeah. so I moved down with a friend. I moved down to Orlando, and that's where I took a position. My background was in education. And once I was out of college, I didn't want to get directly into the classroom. I didn't want the political part of education. So I did boys and girls clubs and YMCAs, was directors of some of those different programs. And then finally went into formal education and taught middle school science for 11 years in Orlando and then in Charleston until we made the the jump and, and left teaching. You know, just like Mia said, it what didn't make sense to have three kids and basically my entire teacher's salary going to to pay someone else to raise our children. Mm. So that was our, our our jump to say, you know what, we're doing this and no better time than now. Where you know, sink or swim. <laughs> so were y'all raised in, uh, I mean, I know you said your dad was a police officer. Were you raised having this entrepreneurial, like, mentality? I mean, have you always said, you know, maybe one day we will work for ourselves? Or it was it a, just a need and you found that it just fit your lifestyle better? I would say... I did not come from an entrepreneurial background. You know, my dad was a police officer. My mom was a teacher. So very traditional um, job. Um, So that was not part of my comfort zone. I would say Mia pulled me out of my comfort zone a little and said, you know, we can do this. We can do this. You know, we loved real estate and real estate was a passion. And so I think when you have a passion for something and, and we wanted to serve people and serve more people. And it is like teaching like for us because I love to teach and I love the high school that I was at. I was at Wando High School and I absolutely loved it there. However, it was just, I mean, I'm um, truly just came down to the pay was the biggest deciding factor. And being in real estate is like teaching for us because we're teaching people about how real estate can benefit them as far as an investment in a uh, generational wealth perspective and just kind of educating them on the process. Yeah. Yes. So do you miss, do you miss teaching or do you feel like what you're doing in real estate sort of scratches all those itches that you loved so much? Yeah. So many people ask us that. And, you know, I, I miss relationships with the kids Yeah. Um, because I, I thought that we made a difference in the kids' lives. Um, however, I'm getting that fulfillment in other ways through real estate. So people are like, well, would you ever go back to teaching? No. No, absolutely not. I love it, it would have, it would have to be a lot of, I mean, we would never leave where we are right now, but it, I mean, it definitely, I mean, when we first moved here, I missed it. I missed it a lot, yeah. but um, the alternative of what we are, like Melissa said, like how we are able to still fill ourselves um, by what we do, it, it definitely fits. And I, and I really feel like it's something that we have been called to do. Mm. So, so Mia, um, what did you teach? I mean, you, you have a degree. What was your degree in? Business management and kinesiology sports management. So the state of South Carolina had a program called PACE, Program for Alternatives Certification for Education, which went through that program. And I actually taught in the, uh, the career and technical education, the CTE department. Mm-hmm. So I was hired on to start the hospitality program at Wando 
um, to help since I with my Disney background. That is kind of what I use that background and um, to teach those classes and start that program. Man, you're a baller. Did either one of you guys play college athletics? I played basketball, uh, D3 basketball at Kalamazoo. Okay. I thought certainly not stereotypical, but you just, a lot of times the entrepreneur has a background, which is really interesting in team athletics, mm-hmm. just because I can beat her on the basketball court. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, I love the challenge. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, we found a lot of times like that people, when you get kind of into their background, um, that they've played sports or done something competitively, right? Because I think for entrepreneurs, especially where you guys are in the real estate, you have to have a competitive drive of either you compete with yourself to know that you can be better or you compete with kind of the, the people around you. Um, so anyway, I was just curious. Yes. Oh yeah. We're competitive. That is for sure. <laughs> now, are y'all competitive against each other? Are y'all competitive? Are y'all yeah. a good mix? <laughs> oh yeah. Like, I mean, like even in real estate, when it comes to like, okay, you know, one of the big things are we track our numbers and how many calls we make contact. So that can turn into a competition between us. Like, Hey, I call this many people today, you know, what you been doing? <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, and it's, it's fun. It adds, you know, some extra dynamics and we surround ourselves with people in our office that are part of different teams yeah. that can push us and, and have that competition, that friendly competition to continue to grow. Yeah. yeah. So why Keller Williams? Why'd you guys choose Keller Williams? It's, I mean, there's a bunch of options out there. This doesn't have to be a commercial for Keller Williams, but it can. I'm curious. Well, it started out was in 2007. My, I had a cousin in Tampa who was a part owner and uh, Keller Williams, and she was doing phenomenal. She sold Warren Sapp, his first house, John Lynch, a lot of the players that were down in Tampa. She was their, their go-to realtor. And so she kind of got me into Keller Williams. And I just, once we got into Keller Williams, uh, they have a culture that is just family friendly and the vision is God first family. And then your career, you know, integrity. And it's just kind of, it's just kind of stuck with us in the sense that like, it is like family to us. So we've decided to, you know, just kind of, stay with Keller Williams because of the loyalty. And, you know, it's one of those kind of things about a brokerage is what, you know, what you get out of it versus what you put in. And it's just, it's just been, been a huge value to our family and to our business. Mm, yeah. We read the book, the one thing by uh, Gary Keller. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's definitely built to me and I know nothing about real estate as far as I've never been in real estate or anything, but to me, he does continue to teach and and try to build good teams, and and he does it um, through his values. And I think y'all probably have very similar values in that too. And I love that you said that you know he he puts you know God and family first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and, and and he really does have a great message about you know you know the relationship, and it's not just a transaction. And love what you do come from contribution, you know, all of those, those things. And, you know, one of the things I love about the book, the one thing that has been very helpful for me, I had to go back and reread it kind of at the beginning of COVID um, just because, you know, our brains were all over the place and I needed to zero and get focused on exactly what the goal is. 
Yeah. So I love that you kind of pivoted there. I'd love to talk about COVID with you, but I'd also love to talk about how do you build a business when you move to a new city and only know four or five people? How do you build a real estate business when I'm certain Nashville is saturated with real estate agents, similar to Charleston? So how do you, how do you do that? How'd you guys do that? Relationships. Everything that we, we've focused on in the last five years now since we've been here is relationships. And we, we're not salespeople. We build relationships and we're matchmakers to solve problems for people who may have certain problems when it comes to real estate. Their lease is up, so now they need new housing or they have financial goals that they want to attain so many properties in a year. And so, you know, but building those relationships and becoming a problem solver so that when the people in our sphere and in our network, you know, just when they're ready, they call us. And so that has hands down, like, is just something that we we focus on every day is how can we improve on the relationships we have and how can we contribute to those around us? And that in turns becomes business for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think then going deep, you know, we can call around to thousands of people um, and their phone calls and they don't know you. They don't trust you. Um, we really just kept kept going in our our kind of geographic areas and became experts and made sure that those people knew that they can trust us in and stayed in contact. Um, so yeah, every year our business has grown and it's, it's because of those relationships that they come back. Mm-hmm. So in, in real estate, that's an important thing, you know, to have continued clientele that just keeps coming back to you year after year or referring their, their parents, their, you know, brothers, Mm -hmm. sisters, whoever it may be that need real estate help, whether it's in Nashville or around, around the world, really, because we have a network within Keller Williams of agents everywhere Mm -hmm. um, that we trust and we know can, can help our friends and family. And And it almost becomes like a work smarter, not harder thing of like, you know, if we can, if we can take these 50 people that and just love on them and just be there for them and just whatever the business is going to come back. It's going to come back. Yeah. So I love that because that's really at the core of everything that Stacy and I are about is building relationships on trust. And so I think, you know, we, we understand each other for sure in that, but you guys took a big leap. If I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just putting two and two together by leaving <laughs> Charleston with three kids not having necessarily a job to go to because you don't have a network there. So how was that transition for you guys? Because there's a period of time where it takes to build relationships and trust, right? So did you rely on your network outside to make the income to, for you guys to live on? And I mean, I don't want you to get too personal in this, but I'm really curious because, and there's a reason for asking this and I'll say this and let you guys talk, but we're connected to a lot of business owners right now through COVID. And, you know, they're saying, gosh, I've done this business for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. And the business has dried up. What am I supposed to do? Just start something new? And the answer, unfortunately, is yes. But it sounds like maybe that's what you guys did before COVID hit. So how did you navigate that? So at the beginning, like when we took the leap to get here, we did. We 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 were very well knew that we were going to be live, living off of our savings until we were able to get the business going. So we we moved here 
the girls were born May 24th. So let's just say second week of June, we moved here. We didn't have our first closing until December. Um, and one of the things that I, you know, going back and looking at how we kind of navigated, um, it was great because the people that we did know here, they were big, they were, you know, family and people who wanted to see us succeed. So we actually had like, hey, I'm going to introduce you to this person. And that person is now our go-to insurance person or our go-to, you know, so that we made some connections kind of early on that were just happened to be such good connections that they kind of helped keep us fed until while we were growing our business. And that was, um, I think, pretty, pretty significant in helping us get going. The second thing, honestly, was we got a business coach. We, we, you know, even though I had been in, we had been in real estate before, you know, we were at not going to be, we were not producing at the level that we knew that we needed to produce. And we, you know, within the first nine months that became pretty evident. And Melissa kind of sat down with somebody who was a coach in our office. And Melissa was like, Hey, we, we need to sit down with her because I think she's going to take our business to the next level. And, you know, I was like, well, what is she going to teach us? And I'm so glad we did. Because it has allowed us our business to to basically double year over year, almost every year for the last four years, and so that was that was extremely important too. So I think that you know, yes, we did have our savings to help us financially, but also surrounding ourselves with the right people was, I mean, was a huge deal. Ever from the family to friends, and then a business coach for sure. So Mia, what did you learn from the business coach? Can you summarize it in like the top? couple, three things that, that have made your business double, or is that the secret sauce that somebody else has to pay yeah, for? Like, you know, like I'll, I'll, you know, I'll tell it. And, you know, it's, you know, I think for one of the first things is, you know, your mindset, like controlling how we talk to ourselves and, and kind of the motivation. And that was, you know, like how, you know, you set your goals and you're like, man, this is tough. No, it's not tough. You know, really talking about how you, you know, kind of think about your mindset when you sit down to start lead generating or whatever it is. Um, and then also tracking your numbers. Like, you know, it's very important for as entrepreneurs that we understand our P&Ls, our balance sheets, and are really knowing the numbers and digging deep so that we know how, what's our conversion rate on leads? How many people are we calling? How many open houses do we need to have? You know, really getting into those numbers were, were definitely huge. And yeah, what yeah, would you say, No, I mean, definitely knowing your numbers is important. You know, you don't know how to get to where you want to be until you know those numbers. Yeah. Um, and, and really, you know, Mia mentioned mindset and really having that big why. And, and if you have a big why of, you know, to succeed with, you're going to keep going. And you're not going to let these, you know, small obstacles become large obstacles. You know, you're just going to move them out the way and keep going. Keep going. Oh, there's yeah. always going to be people that say no or people that don't want you in their life, you know, and, and you've got to move those things. If they're not helping you, they're they're holding you back. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously, uh, we, we have a business coaching firm called a Salty Rim, and we work with clients, and, and so that speaks our language, and, you know, kudos for you for listening and saying, hey, we, do, we don't have all the answers, and not that a coach has all the answers either, but they can jump in with you where you don't feel like you're on an island alone, and they can actually propel you to the next um, platform that you need to get to, but um, during, like, the COVID I mean, how has that affected and, and where was your pivots in that? I mean, that's another hurdle. What did you learn from coaching to push you, propel you into, 
you know, having to do, um, I guess, virtual meetings or virtual showings and stuff like that. So how has that affected your business or has it? Well, I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, in Keller Williams put together a class at the very beginning called, and it was actually called Pivot. And it was a class that was virtual class that basically focused on it was like an hour, hour, two hours, twice a week. And basically really talking about how you can pivot your business during this time, what you focus on, you know. They didn't miss a beat. No. Mm -hmm. They knew it was coming. They were prepared for when it when it came. We didn't know it was going to be COVID, but but Keller Williams told us, you know, and and planned a year out that this is going to happen to your business. So let's get ready now. Yeah, you know, right analyze your your P and Ls. Where where can we cut expenses when you know income does decrease? So we, you know, I felt like we were prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're never prepared for it. A pandemic. <laughs> yeah. 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 At least you know it, it didn't shock us. I think as much as it could have. Hmm. Yeah. And so that class was was very instrumental in helping us to get set up. And then, like, you know, I was talking about the one thing and Gary Keller in that class, you know, one of the things that, you know, he's like, just really focus on what you get to do every day, not what you have to do. And then making sure your clients understand, like, that you, you know, you're there. And even though this is all new for us, here's the tool. So literally, we just kind of stepped back and we revamped a lot of things. We used to have home buyer seminars and we used to have this. So you know what? Now they're all virtual. And, you know, those things were just as successful. And people were still buying homes. And we're actually, we were coming off of one of our heaviest months in close in volume in May, which was all business from March and April when we were in the thick of the shutdown. So you just, you know, we kind of made some, not kind of, we made some serious adjustments. Um, we had to make some adjustments for our schedule, having the girls at home because we automatically pull them. So, I mean, now we're like homeschooling and I mean, trying to do seminars and trying to figure things out. So, I mean, it was absolutely crazy, but it was, I think it's one of those kind of things where you just, all right, well, let's just chop it down. And what can I attack right now? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think for us, I look, look back at it now from when it first started. And I think it was a blessing for us and a blessing for our business that it happened. It allowed us to look at things differently. And there was a lot of wasted time in our day and things we were doing that weren't the best use of our time. And hey, you know, instead of having an eight hour workday, a 10 hour workday, you know, we split it and we each had half and, you know, we had more time as a family and we could still do our business because we weren't spending all this time doing, you know, (laughs) driving around places. We were able to leverage that out, whether it was virtual appointments or, you know, finding leverage in other ways within, you know, agents in our office. Wow. You guys, your perspective is so inspirational, I think. And that's what, to me, that's what makes a good entrepreneur, right? You're always going to have hurdles, always. And this one maybe feels a little bigger and it feels like a lot has come all at once. But your perspective of positivity and even just, Melissa, you saying this is a blessing, like to be able to see it as, yeah, it's hard, but that's okay. I mean, that doesn't mean we can't get through it. And then when you lean in together um, and when you have a strong relationship and in a partner or a wife or a husband or whatever, it does, I don't know. I just feel like Stace and I, and it sounds like you guys are too, as hard as it's been, and we've had to do some major shifting. Oh my gosh, major 180s. Um, but as hard as it's been, we find ourselves at the end of every night 
either high-fiving or going on gratitude walks of all the things that, you know, it's, it's just all the things that we have to be thankful for. And it's Mia, just like you said, Gary Keller, it's like, it's not what you have to do. It's what you get to do that we're still alive. You know, that we've woken up this morning and we get another shot at this thing called life. Um, and it's our choice to be super negative about it and go, man, woe is me. Everything sucks. Like the world's falling in on me or no, like I'm going to do my part to keep this world going, you know? And if each one of us do our little parts, it's pretty amazing. It's just really Mm -hmm. inspirational listening to you guys talk. I mean, I really do think people want to help each other out too. And, and people want to help small business owners out and your sphere wants support you and and they just need to know that you're still there and you still want their support you know and that you've checked on them like I mean we we were you know so in Nashville we had just before COVID happened about two weeks before and I don't know you know you you guys were were in Nashville we had a tornado yeah so literally our business probably about mid-February is when we started the pivot so it was almost like we were kind of ready I mean, not I mean, you wouldn't, you're never ready for a pandemic because this is something we've never been through. But because of the tornado, we had already started really tagging, you know, reaching out to our sphere and our database here in Nashville. And then it just kind of compounded of like, oh, my gosh, now some of our you know, people are out of work. Let's reach out and find out how we can help them. You know, and again, not making it about us, not making it about sales. Like, how can we help you? You know, what do you guys need right now? Yeah. Oh, that's so it, cool, you guys. Yeah, I mean, and, and I read on one of your Facebooks that, I mean, y'all really have got in the community. And I think you just won an award for everything that y'all have done just in June. I mean, because you, you got in and helped after a cleanup after the tornadoes and y'all did stuff for COVID. And like, y'all are community people and you're not in it just for you. You're in it to because you want to help your neighbor. And I think that's, you never know when you're going to need that help back. (laughs) You know, that's, that's a good, that's something I live by is I stop at any kind of accident on the side of the road. It doesn't matter if I can help or not. I mean, I have a medical background, so I always feel like I need to stop, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. one day I may need someone to stop and help me and someone will. And so it's like, if you would, if you expect someone else to stop, then you probably need to stop and help other people. Yeah. Yep. So let's, let's shift a little bit. Cause not only have we been involved in COVID, but we've also been involved in black lives matter and people can't, this isn't a video podcast. So people can't see you guys, but you guys have an absolutely beautiful relationship of a black woman and a white woman. And so you have Stace was showing me pictures of your unbelievably beautiful children who are interracial children. So if you would, to whatever level, whatever degree you're comfortable, would you guys just talk about how the Black Lives Matter movement that's really um, has been a, frankly, a very long time coming, but how that has affected you guys as a family or sort of the relationships that you've had and built, we'd love to just, honestly, we'd just love to learn from you guys in whatever way and just hear your experience so that we can maybe better understand a little bit. Sure. So one of the things that is, you know, we are very blessed with or fortunate is that Melissa's family has always welcomed me with open arms And my family has done the same with Melissa. 
Mm-hmm. And so that not having that kind of extra pressure from the very beginning, like was, was huge. I mean, when we, we got married in 2017 and one of our, a couple, you know, it was very small, very small. And a couple people were like, man, you know, who had never seen our families interact. They're like, man, your families look like they've known each other for forever. Like my mom and Melissa's mom, you know? And so, and that's also a statement to how we were raised. Like, uh, you know, my, you know, I remember my sister who's 10 years older than me. I'll never forget when I was probably about um, 13, my sister had a white boyfriend and I remember thinking like, Oh, this is going to be interesting. You would have never known. Like, I mean, like my grandmother, his name was Scott. Like I'll never forget Scott. And I mean, literally my grandmother would be like, when's Scott coming over? And like in my family, like, it's just not, you know, it's just both of our families. This is not like a big deal. And so, you know, but it's the world. Now we're talking about dealing with the world and kind of, you know, so it's as far as being a, interracial couple it's one of those kind of things where we know it's going to be some some interesting challenges and so you know one of the things we try to do is just kind of create some awareness around like what it's like because a lot of people don't know and as far as like you know the the black lives matter and everything that's going on it's just it's so many years of like systemic racism and people not even really understanding what that means when you talk about the education when you talk about higher learning in different colleges, all the way down to property taxes and how schools are funded, um, school prison, you know, school to prison pipelines. I mean, there's just so many different ways that we can talk about how systemic racism exists. And um, and it's it, it's time for a change. It's mm-hmm. time for a change. We agree. So um, recently, Mia, um, you, you and Melissa and the, the family were heading on vacation. And this was um, and then I, I read this on your Facebook and literally it just I saw red and it's infuriated me to know. And I wanted to. And so I'm going to let you tell the story about it, because I think it does bring a point because people go, you know, I'm not racist. I don't see racism. I don't I don't understand it. But it is out there. And and just because you may not be around it or may not know anyone that may be people do it and they are doing it in their own ways. And so what, you know, that happened to you. And so I kind of want you to tell that story and it has anything been resolved from it. Okay. So of course, like during the shutdown and I think at one point in time, I asked, I even asked Alexa, like Alexa, how many days has school been out? Cause it just seems like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, we were just kind of doing the, you know, the the same thing. All, you know, and then so when things started trying to, you know, the country started opening up, and you know, we decided that what we were going to do is to book an Airbnb down in Gulf Shores, um, Florida Panhandle area. We didn't even care. We were open or whatever. Just we wanted to get a house because Melissa's parents were coming, and you know, we wanted it to be a place where we knew could would be cleaned very well. We weren't going to have to share elevators, and you know, just. You know, because we were still kind of quarantining, but wanted to just get away um, yeah. and change change the scenery for us and definitely for the girl. Oh, yeah, you know, 100 to, to see something different, to, to reset. <laughs> yeah. Forget it. And so, you know, um, so I got I logged on to Airbnb and, and booked a place um, and I. And I couldn't remember my my email, the password, of course, because I had not used Airbnb in a long time. And so I reset it, booked a place, and then it was like, set up your profile, which it was a Gmail address. And I had already booked it, and I set up everything, and everything was great. Um, it was a nice little place in Gulf Shores. And 
about four days prior to our um, prior to we were supposed to leave, my sister-in-law, Melissa's brother's wife, who, who they were co- coming down with us, she's like, hey, what's going on with that tropical storm? And I'm like, I don't know. So I just reached out to the Airbnb host, you know, how you have to send a private message through their page. And her and I, we had never communicated before, real, you know, not that, you know, but this time it put my profile picture, which it had pulled my profile picture from my Gmail account was just a professional headshot. Right. Um, but you could obviously see that I was black <laughs> in the headshot. Um, and I just asked her a question where I said, are, you know, what is your tropical storm policy? You know, just, you know, I see that it's going to be coming through the area while we're there. And she responded back, like, basically you can't cancel. There's no cancellation policy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And which is fine. I just wanted to know in case the storm moved in. And so I responded back. I said, okay, great. We're looking forward to it, you know, whatever. And then she responded back and she says, well, I don't like your tone and your something she said, but it was basically like she said that my tone and I made her feel um, threatened. That's what it was. And so So you said you were looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's the we're last thing I said. Looking forward to it, you know. You know, the, hopefully that the weather be good, but we're looking forward to it. Like, yeah, and we're coming either way. And it was about ten o'clock at night, and literally, and then I get an alert or an email that says your Airbnb host has canceled your reservation. Mind you, we're leaving in like four days. I had already paid for a rental car and all this stuff, so I'm just sitting there, and and I'm like, I'm devastated because I'm devastated because I know exactly what happened. She canceled my reservation because she thought that as a black person, I was being difficult and she was not going to have it. So she canceled my reservation. Wow. Yeah. So it was rough. Like it was, it was, you know, because of course at this time, this is right after, right around the George Floyd murder and every, you know, the Ahmaud Arbor, you know, all of this stuff. And then this happened. So, I mean, like I was, I was devastated. I was, I was hurt. I, I, I cried. Melissa yeah. cried, you know, and, and in the back of my mind, and this is how crazy it is. I knew better. I know better. Melissa can attest to how many times I've gone, we've gone to make reservations somewhere and I've had her to call or I've had her to email because I know that it's less likely of being any kind of confrontation or anything going on if it comes from her versus from me. We're, I'm very well aware of that. Wow. I mean, you're like a very professional woman, but that doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. And that's the thing. It's like people say, well, you know, that's why I have such a problem when people say, well, oh, if you just comply, then it becomes like a whole power issue. And it's not about complying. It's not about obeying. It's, you know, it's, it's about my race. Wow. Yeah. And, Gosh. you know, I was jumping in being coming from the, the white wow. background and never, you know, people say it all the time, oh, I'm not racist. I don't, you know, I never, never thought I was, didn't grow up that way. Grew up in Detroit, you know, very at the time, you know, had friends of all different races. It, it never was an issue for me. Um, but your eyes are open to a whole new thing mm-hmm. when you're in a relationship. Wow. with someone who's black mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and you see that white privilege yeah wow uh gosh um sorry that just it, hurts. it breaks it, me it, it, yeah it is it's it's rough you know but you you, you you know, what we say all the time, it's like, you you know, 
you have to have a little bit thicker skin if you're gonna if you're gonna create awareness and you're gonna be you have to be able to handle it. But sometimes those things happen and it just catches you off guard and you're you're remind you're reminded of your place in the world because of your color. But I don't but but I don't treat it with a chip on my shoulder at all. Like I don't. Yeah. And um yeah, Mia has much thicker skin than me because <laughs> when it happens, I I blow up. <laughs> I mean, she's your person, right? So you've made a vow to protect her and care for her and love her. And when you see other people treating her just because of the color of her skin in a less than way, I mean, I can imagine that that just undoes you. So gosh, for if, I mean, I feel like saying, I'm sorry that you all have been treated that way. I feel like that feels so empty, but it's coming from a really deep place in my heart that I, I don't understand why people treat somebody different because of the color of their skin. It, it just, I mean, Stace and I have talked about it a lot where it's like, it's, it's a color of a skin. I mean, it's, I, I don't, under, I don't understand. I, I go out in the sun every day to get dirt. I get blood. I get blood. You get into an accident, you don't know what color blood you're getting, exactly. you know, and that's why exactly. it's so hard for us to really wrap our heads around a lot of people. Like you have people that like really get it. Like you guys get it. Like you're like, like what in the heck, you know, type deal. But well, and it's, it's hard because people don't know that they have white privilege because mm-hmm. they don't know it's different. It's just their life. And they don't, I don't, you know, don't need to come across as racist. Um, or do some of the things they do, or understand how and why it hurts Black people. Um, and I think they're just, you know, throwing up this race card when it, it just isn't until you see it from the, the other person's point of view and what's going on. Like, yeah. until you walk the day in their shoes, you don't get it. Yep. Yeah. So how do you, like, with three interracial children who are darker skin color, how do you teach them? I mean, what do you teach them? I mean, because this is something we, I mean, that's going to, I mean, unfortunately, it's not going to, it's not going to get better today. I mean, I think people are being more aware of it. I think some people are just ignorant and they'll never change. But I think that seeing all these rallies, but I mean, how do you, how do you teach the younger generation to say, we have a place here? Well, and it, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it started with our oldest before we were quite ready. Probably when she was in, when she was four, she was in pre-K and the kid told her to, he, he said, I'm not going to sit b- beside you because you've got brown skin. And it broke her heart. She didn't understand why somebody didn't want to. Wow. Yes. At four years old. And, you know, and, and, and then of course, you know, so we're, we're having this parent conference and I'm looking at the dad and I know exactly where the kid got it from. I yeah, do. Exactly. You know, so don't sit up and look in my face and say, well, I have no idea where he got that from. No, we, we know where he got yeah, that from. Don't make that stuff yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so with her, you know, or, you know, we kind of had that conversation and her teacher who is absolutely amazing at the time and still a part of our family today you know, like she handled it very well. And, you know, we had a conversation with her, but for, for them, they have a very interesting perspective because they have white cousins and they have black cousins. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so for them, it's kind of like, you know, we, we've 
haven't had a lot of tough conversations yet, which we, we, we know we need to and we will when it's appropriate. But we had to have conversations about, hey, you know what? God made you just the way you are. You're perfect the way you are. God made some people with white skin like mommy. God made some people brown skin like mama. And you know what? God loves you no matter what. And there's going to be some people that may not like mommy because she's got white skin. There's going to be some people that don't like, you know, and so we have those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just to let them know, like, you're strong. You do, you know, like, we want to raise some strong women. And so that's something that we're, you know, really want to focus on. And it just sucks that we have to have those conversations because of skin color. Like, it just, I mean, and Jules and I do talk about it a lot because we're like, what gives a white man so much more privilege than anybody else on this earth? A white man. Um, yeah. You know, why do they get to dictate um, other people's, their salaries, um, what schools they go to, what, you know, what people can afford, what neighborhoods they live in, um, whatever. I mean, it, and it does, it goes back to the white men have they all the dictating power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the problem is, is that, white women grow up in those households where there's all kinds of either outright comments that are made or actions that are done or subliminal messages. And so then those white women embrace that mentality as well. It may be more subversive, but anyway, you know, what I feel like, and I, I mean, I guess it matters more, you know, what you guys are sort of feeling, but we in Charleston, we have a ton of cargo ships and they're 300 and some at least feet long. They're huge. And so to turn those, I mean, it takes a lot of effort, right? And, and often takes tugboats to help push them and all of that. So I feel like we're, I feel like that's what this is times a million, but it takes a long time to turn them. But when you start the action of turning them, it's really hard to go back. Mm-hmm. And so I almost feel like, and it gives me goosebumps just even talking about it, that this has been an issue for way too long. Finally, the tugboats have come out and started the effort of turning the damn ship because Mm -hmm. it's, it's a long time coming. And well, I can promise you that Stace and I are going to do our part to help turn that thing. Um, We appreciate it. And I mean, and that's what it takes is it takes allies. It takes people stepping up to say, you know what, enough is enough. What what can we do to change? How do we put money in the hands of people that are going to do right, the right elected officials? Yeah. I mean, because that's another thing. You know, we got to start at the bottom where, you know, people want to worry about voting for president. We need to worry about who's on our city council. Gotcha. Laws about, you know, laws about body cams. Those are made at a city council level. You know, your prosecutors who are going to prosecute the people like who shot Ahmaud Arbery, you know, those, you know, so again, that's on a more local and state level. So we got to get people involved at every single level. Yeah. 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 Everyone has something that they can contribute in this battle. You know, absolutely. Everyone has they can contribute in this battle that we're fighting. Yep, absolutely. You know, you know, we're now in the real estate business, so it's it's our job to educate, you know, the African American community about black home ownership and yep. how to create generational wealth because that's something that, you know, just hasn't been. Yep. Um, yep. 
I love it. I, I know this is a hard conversation and I just, I want to thank you for going there with us. Um, we don't take that lightly at all. Cause I, I'm sure that it's been really emotional in your household <laughs> as all of this has happened. And so I appreciate your vulnerability with us and your transparency mm-hmm. with us and just, just kind of go in there a little bit with us. I mean, obviously if we had cocktails, we would have a lot longer discussion, oh, um, yeah. but, <laughs> but that's, that's coming in the future. So what are you guys focused on? Let's, let's shift gears and kind of hopefully end this on a, a little lighter note or happier note even though all that is reality and sometimes life just is heavy, right? Mm -hmm. But what is it that you guys are focused on now? Is it growing Holly Rooks real estate team? I mean, is it, what's, what's kind of your focus that you guys are excited about right now? We, we are, we are excited about the Holly Rooks real estate team. We have recently um, just made a new hire for um, some admin leverage because before it was just the two of us trying to, do everything. So we just made another hire or a first real hire, uh, couple weeks, like a week. Yeah. So that was good. And we, and we've added a, um, a buyer's agent to our team as well that can, you know, kind of help us, um, you know, and, and that is our focus. I mean, so that's what we are super excited about is for those goals and kind of, um, you know, I, I think just, just, trying to give back and, and educate people in a way of like what we can do to help and how real estate can help in their life. And that's something that, that is um, exciting for us. Hopefully the, the, the twins, our twins who were two weeks old when we moved, they're now five and supposed to be starting kindergarten. All of that is so up we in the air. We were excited <laughs> to have all three kids. In I know. Time. I just, yeah, we just got a pay raise by getting rid of daycare. So oh. that was good. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. That's exciting. We can't wait to follow along with your growth from afar. Sounds like you guys are on quite the path of growing your little real estate dynasty over there in Nashville and beyond. So um, we're, yeah, we're super excited about that for you. So as we wrap this up, unfortunately, time has flown by. And as we wrap this up, what Stacey and I like to finish up each of the podcasts with is we have a list of questions from one to 70. And so if each one of you, if Mia, if you would give Stace a number between one and 70, and then Melissa, if you'd give me a number, we'll ask you the question associated with that number. Sound good? Ooh. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Mia, uh, 33. 33. That is my favorite number. Yeah. If you were Olympic athlete, what would it be? And both of y'all answer it. Both of us answer. Oh, I would. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would. I would say basketball. Like if if I were if I were going to the Olympics, it would be like basketball. I think. Nice. Huh. Interesting. What would you say? I was going to say I was going to be some kind of runner because I wish I could be a runner. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it won't be a long distance no, runner. No, I can. <laughs> She'd be a sprinter. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, Oh, oh, sorry, Melissa, what's your number? Uh, My number is four. All right. Four. Perfect. That was the question I wanted to ask you. Um, So both of you are going to have to answer this as well. So 
Melissa, I want you to give three words that describe Mia and then Mia. I want you to do the same thing for Melissa. No, no, no. Three words describe Mia. Yep. I'm going to say giving. I'm going to say loyal Hmm. and driven. Nice. Love it. All right, Mia, your turn. I left off the bad one. I would say Melissa is caring. She is uh, dedicated. Hmm. And she is honest. I I would say ethical. Like, I mean, like I know, like she is one of the most ethical, like do right people that I've ever met. (laughs) <laughs> like I mean, in in a, in, a, in a good way and a bad way, you know. Like, come on, let's, you know. But no, she's uh, she's a very just good, you know. Like as far as like going to make, you know, the right decisions um, and then right. fun. Mia, the Mia, Mia got lucky with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say, though, right? A good relationship, fun, caring, and ethical. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was going to say that's what they say about good relationships is where you both feel like you outbatted your average, right? Where it's like, I can't, I mean, so often with Stace, I'll be like, how in the world did I get you? And I only hope that she says the same thing back. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and I don't know how, like, um, like we really go by like the disc profile or, you know, really into those. And I am a high D I am Melissa, the high S high C and our business coach, when we first took it, she goes, I've never seen two people who are more on the opposite spectrum. <laughs> you know, that are, have now come together, but in all honesty, it works great because, because of the oppositeness where I'm short, she has plenty. And then, you know, kind of vice versa. Melissa doesn't like a ton of like the networking and being in front of people where I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm social as can be. So it actually like, you know, really balances out. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Well, I can't wait to come on over to Nashville and spend some time with you guys in person. I think that'll be a really fun evening of plenty of cocktails. So we look forward to that. Yeah. Sure. Um, thank you both for your time on this show. I know that life is crazy busy for you all, even during COVID and quarantine, but we sure do appreciate it. When Stace told me that we were getting you on, I was pretty excited because I didn't really get to know y'all in Charleston. So I was really excited to hear your story and uh, it was, it was great. So thank you so much. No, thank, thank you, you for having let us. Share. And if there's anything that we could ever do to support you guys and your business, please let us know. Ah, yeah. thank, thank you thank so you. much. I appreciate that. Listeners, as always, we sure do appreciate you hitting play on this. We know you have plenty of podcasts that you can listen to. And so we just want to let you know that we're super grateful that you chose this one today. We hope you go make it an awesome day. And if you take anything from this episode, uh, the one thing that just keeps reverberating in my mind is just be kind. Just go out there and be kind to each other and stop making your judgments based on skin color or gender or religion or any of the other things that we put criterion against. Um, Just go and love someone because they're another human on this planet. So we hope you go make it an awesome week. Thanks. 